If Christianity were true, why are there so many non-Christians living better lives than the Christians? If Christianity were true, why has the institutional church supported war, injustice, and violence over the years? Even if Christian teaching has much to offer, why would we want to be together with so many smug, self-righteous, dangerous fanatics? Today, we're going to talk about that. Hey, I'm Bailey. Hey, I'm Michael. And I'm David. And welcome back to the Facing the Gates podcast. For the second time. For the second time. Thanks to my fuckity-wuckity. Because, guess what? This episode is cursed, because we're having to record this one again, because Michael... Fucked up. ...nudged his, his, the plug on his mic, and then we lost his audio about seven minutes into the recording. So, we're recording this again. Because it's really important. Because it's the problem of Christians. That's what we're talking about damn, today, son. Damn Christians. Them, you know what? I just can't. Gandhi. Gandhi said, I like your Christ, but not your Christians. But he also, what, like to beat his wife or something? Beat his wife. Well, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a <laughs> perfect example. Right, exactly. It's just, a, it's he, he was right about some things. Um, so, um... Michael has often alluded to this this being, you know, he, he says the biggest problem with Christianity is Christians. And he hijacked that from me because that's actually that was my quote. But I'll let him I'll let him have it. It's hey, fine. If the shoe fits, bitch, I'm aware. Right. So while this is one of the the last objections to Christianity we're going to be covering, um, I actually, you know, think it's one of the biggest issues uh one of the biggest threats to christianity at least in america uh which is christians themselves the way christians display themselves to others communicates to others what christianity is all about and most christians including myself do not always take this into account in fact the word christian actually means little christ it is the lives of christians that often draws people in or pushes them away and for that reason, what people see of you is, you know, what they understand about Christianity. There's there's a an old uh, saying I heard somewhere. I don't remember where, but uh, it's, it's a, a lot of times the only Bible someone will read is is your life or something along those lines. Um, so this issue is addressed in Tim Keller's book, uh, The Reason for God. And I will be bringing his arguments to the table in defense of Christianity in this episode. Um, though, be aware that I won't be saying uh, exactly what is and isn't a quote, because most of this episode is actually a direct quotation from one of his chapters in his book. So if you're interested in any of this, go read his book. Uh, now, that being said, do you guys think this is a problem uh, for Christianity? Uh, and and obviously it is 
to you guys. So tell me where you stand and why you think it's an issue and, and all that lovely jazz. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll start us off. Yeah. As the outsider looking in here, because right. I'm looking for religion. Right. And there's a reason I... It's a reason I haven't picked a religion yet, and a lot of it do is the problem with, say, Christians or Muslims or... And it's a problem for all of them. Mm-hmm. Is if you're going to come at me in a way where you're being preachy or this or that and acting as if you're holier than thou holier than thou yeah yet i know you beat your wife or (laughs) i know you're doing a b or c come on now it's it's hard to take somebody seriously when they're inconsistent is basically what you're getting yeah. at yeah and it, it's one thing <clears throat> and another thing is if you fuck up admit it own it yeah because don't preach at me about trying to live a good life and being honest when you're not first being honest with yourself and you're not being honest with the people you're supposed to be leading and one of my biggest strikes against Catholicism is how they handled the whole mm, we got some higher ups in church diddling kids I win Catholic TV oh yeah <laughs> oh god okay listen last week uh, that was that was about to be a relic I'm glad you brought it back um, last week we were watching me and David before Michael got home we were yes, watching uh, I- Catholic TV uh, I found just some, for fun, <laughs> for educational uh, yeah, purposes. on GitHub, there's a list of internet TV kind of links. I'm like, okay, let me go look through maybe something interesting. Yep. They found like hopefully like a documentary channel, uh, and I saw yeah. Catholic TV. I'm like, I gotta show this one to the boys. <laughs> yeah. And I checked it out. It's like, okay, Pope talking, Pope talking. Then it went into the deep end. Yeah. It was interesting. They were and their logo really, was absolutely dreadful. Yeah, they got bad logo design, but we won't talk about that here. Uh, David, yes, answer uh, the the question that I asked Michael. That sounded really mean. I'm sorry. Um, what what is your take on the problem of Christians? Which it's not. That's not. I may get sound like it's a philosophical problem. It's not. It's just a practical issue. Yeah. I, I phrased it like the problem of evil and the problem of divine hiddenness, but I thought it was clever to make it <laughs> the problem of Christians. Oh, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I fall into kind of the same view where, as like we talked, it's not just believing it's, well, I forget how exactly you say It's not it. just belief that, it's b- belief in. Yeah. Because and if you believe that God exists, cool. What does that mean? Believing in requires some kind of action or change in life or something. Yeah, and as we like discussed like previously, it's with most religions, it's also like a lifestyle change. Right. Yeah. And it is living that lifestyle to be come as Christ-like as possible. Right. So but, when you see people that aren't doing that, it's probably a little bit of a yeah, red flag for you. Especially when like the biggest figureheads for at least kind of the mainstream view of Christianity is like televangelists, the crazy, oh, I, I, I prefer to just call them cults. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely be getting into that. Oh yeah, and just kind of things like that, and also like we, unfortunately, the worst people get to be the public face of Christianity. Yeah. Because heck, I've been like yelled at because it's like, yeah, I'm an atheist. So it's like, uh, even today, uh, people, uh, people that should be very accepting of another person, despite their differences and their flaws, tend to be very kind of aggressive. Yeah, and I think you mentioned the first time we recorded this that uh, sometimes, like, you don't even want to mention to people that you're atheist because yeah. you're afraid of how they I will mean, treat you. Most of my family don't know. Because, because they're just so, like, antagonistic towards anything that's not Christian, which is very ironically anti-christian yeah but uh yeah hey what, what were you gonna say michael well now now i got an extra thing to add all right and I, I get where david's coming from with the being an atheist yet at least i have a way to explain myself better mm-hmm. and kind of give them a definition of what i am where he doesn't really have that Without breaking down each and every little detail. Which, fun fact, we might get into the topic of the the definition of atheism here quite soon in an upcoming episode. Teaser. Plug. Anyway, go ahead. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but, also, my problem isn't what Christians say when I hear <clears throat> trying to be Christ-like. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with them fucking up. I have a problem with them not making it right. Yeah, not if, owning if, up and not admitting that they've yeah. Or if you break something, the you fix it. it. You know, and so we're not saying we don't want to see Christians fuck up because we're human. We know everyone's gonna fuck right. up. Right. Yeah. We want there to be accountability and responsibility. Right. And that, but that also, in my eyes, this problem creates an issue with a once saved, always saved mindset. Yeah. You can go ahead and elaborate on that. What do you mean? Like, if you're saved, you're saved. Pretty. That's what that means. Once saved, always saved. There's yeah. no timeline. There's no, oh, except. So if someone is saved past the age of reckoning, then they're saved for life. So they can do fuck all. Yeah. And that creates kind of an issue there. Yeah. Right. But. You could become a genocidal maniac, but because you said, uh, Jesus is the one. When you were 12, you're all good. Yeah, yeah that's a, or, little, a little problematic there. Or yeah. you could be a genocidal maniac and just do and, the cheat code. And then, yeah, you could do the cheat code at the end of the life and be like, hey, but I'm okay now. Say a few Hail Marys. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I think all of us here, and I'm saying all of us because I'm imagining if David was a theist. We'd believe in someone who'd be like, hmm, yeah, that doesn't really work there. You said it, but you ain't mean it. Well, I mean, even in, like, my moral mindset and kind of my purpose behind, like, life, it's still like, yeah, I, I want to make sure something's better than when I left. But before we delve too much on that topic, because that's a past episode, check it out. Yeah. Let's continue. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to break down each of the questions that I uh, mentioned in the intro, and we're going to discuss them. Uh, So, number one is, if Christianity were the truth, why are there so many non-Christians living better lives than the Christians? 
So if you spend any amount of time in a church, you will know the shortcomings of that congregation. And many Christian leaders' failures are well known as the media amplifies them. But if Christianity is all that it claims it to be, shouldn't Christians on the whole be much better than everyone else? Michael, give your, your, you're up. And call me a devil's advocate or go ahead, go ahead. whatever, Sorry, anyone listening. But you don't look <laughs> towards Christianity. Well, you look towards Christianity. You don't look towards the Christians because you right. are one of them. You are yeah. a mortal being and you will fuck up. Yeah. It's in the act of, and that's why I think me explaining when I say being Christ like, mm-hmm. I know people are going to mess up. So that's not a problem. No one's perfect. Don't look towards Christians for salvation. Look towards Christianity. Right. And try to live your life Christ-like. Yeah. Which we are. We are also definitely 110% probably not going to tread the exact same grounds that we did when we recorded this the first time. But we will definitely be repeating some of the same things. So for us, it's like we're having the same conversation twice. It was a little weird. But for you guys... There might be one or two things that we forgot, but there might be one or three things that we remembered that we didn't think about the first time. So, yeah, and it may yeah. feel like we have answers already because yeah, it's like we it's like we're prepared for this episode almost. It's almost as if we've recorded it before. <laughs> okay, sorry, yeah. sorry about that. <clears throat> it's fine. But so yeah, you know, if this is an issue for you, it shouldn't be. Because your Savior, who was the extension of God, was perfect. Mm-hmm. God is perfect. Salvation but, is but, perfect. But Michael. And you should be striving for that. And the word striving, that doesn't mean you're going to perfect it. Because you're not perfect. Because you're a human. But Michael. Yeah. But Michael. Just a few minutes ago, you said that this is one of your problems with Christianity as Christians. But you just said, don't let that be a problem. So what's the deal, man? Come on, figure it out. Get it right. Get some help. Well, it's a, it's a problem <laughs> with, and my gripe against any religious organization around it, uh-huh. for the most part. Because oh, yeah. they're the ones who try to cover up or hide things or pretend it's not a big deal. Every church has had their controversies, and it's people... At the top. At the top that try to cover them up. Right. And so it's it's the uh it's the organization of it, the the human aspect of it that's yeah. that really gets under your gets, and it gets your goat. And it's also the people who are not Christ like in a sense are not seeking to make things right. They're not seeking responsibility, accountability. They're not trying to be like Christ or just trying to act like they're being like Christ. Right. And as someone who struggled along this spiritual tour that agnostic theism is, you're forced to recognize that the human level shouldn't be as big of an issue as you make it to be because you should be looking for the spiritual guidance over the real world guidance. Now, yes, that could mean you don't go to, you don't believe in a certain branch of that religion. But it's, that part shouldn't create 
as big of a rift, if that makes any sense. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also touching on like the hierarchical nature of kind of human organization, we do tend for like you. Most people would see the pastor as like higher level of Christian. Right. Then, you you put <clears throat> you put a higher level of because, uh, emphasis on them because yeah. they're supposed to be the guy you, or, or the girl in some like cases the, that you look to it's like, for an example heck, we hold the president to a higher moral standard right you know he's just human yeah. but because of the position of power right they're in the public eye so therefore they should be better yeah, yeah. and plus just because you don't believe in a religion doesn't mean you got to be a piece of shit person like there's Which also to the thing you were saying, David, that's why um, in the Bible it actually says that people who are teachers will be held to a higher standard than uh, people who are not teachers. And that's another thing I've noticed uh, as I've been learning more about the Broble. Um, there's a little bit more emphasis on higher judgment on Christians, on people that are more informed and people that are teachers and basically the higher up you are air quotes higher up the more um the higher standard you're being held to when you will be judged yeah i mean and that that's very human and it's kind of <laughs> idea because that's how we view the world yeah but you're also making a commitment to lead by example and to teach things as accurately as you can yeah because i mean if you say something that's horribly off kilter and you lead 50 people astray that's your fault yeah and now those 50 people that have been led astray have been led astray because of you so that's why i think it's such a big deal that i mean a lot of christians don't think about this including me at all at all times at least that your life is an example for other people when a lot of people you might be in a country where like there's no christians or there's not a lot of christians in your community or whatever and your example is going to be reflective you are going to be the face of christianity for somebody who has not um you know maybe ever gone to church or read a bible or anything so your example is a really big deal to other people and and that's not just with christianity if you if you wear any label People are gonna think of you as, oh, you're that person. Therefore, the things yeah. you did or are reflective of that label. Wearing the label, but being categorized into a label, you, just, you might not see yourself as like, oh, <clears throat> that's the goth kid, and you're like, no, I'm a punk, and it's like, <laughs> you're still under that label, right? And so that's how people perceive you as. So regardless, uh, the, the main thing is don't be a douchebag. Yeah. yeah, and the one thing I was thinking of when you mentioned that it shouldn't be a problem, or it should be, but I need to figure it out, is I know as many dirtbag atheists as I do good atheists. I know as many dirtbag Christians as I do good Christians. So it, with my personal bias, it doesn't... The lower-level people don't create as big of an issue right? as the higher-ups okay gotcha for me and I had another thought yeah. <clears throat> but you don't remember what also fall kind of what we were talking about also falls into the problem with the people that say they're well that are culturally Christian 
as well. I forget what, what term you... Nominal Christians. Yeah, nominal Christians. Yeah. Because, as you said, like, oh, they show Christians, but they're going partying every day of the week, skipping church, being terrible human beings. And it's like just leading people like, oh, those, those, that's what Christians do? Yeah. yeah. That's especially um, what Muslims look at. Because Muslims, you know, think that America is a Christian nation. And when they see a lot of the things that America puts out in the public as things that we celebrate, they're like, oh, well, definitely want to, don't want to do that. Don't want to be like those yeah. people. When America is... N- America is not a Christian it's nation. It's a theistic nation. I mean, it the, is... Well, it depends on what, where you kind of place because either yeah. it's not religious at all or it's theistic. Yeah, it's that's a different discussion for a different yeah. day, but... Also, to kind of tie in to the issue of the higher ups, is in Christian media, which has allowed itself to be just essentially conservative media in America, uh-huh. they don't put, you know, the average person who does so much good to the world, when they spotlight somebody, they spotlight the most popular Christians or the most politically active Christians. And they don't really care how good or bad celebrity that person pastors. is. They want that celebrity power. Yeah. And that muddies the water. <clears throat> Just like when they'll bring up an atheist, they'll only use it as a derogatory. They won't be like, oh, yeah, Joe. Joe was a good guy. You know, he did right by what he did. He always apologized if he was wrong. He was a good dude. Donated a fuck ton of money to a charity. And he just happened to be an atheist. They always bring up, oh, Bob. Filthy atheist David over there killed like seven children. Eight. And was was addicted to heroin and and, methamphetamine. And then he died and went to hell. In a car crash. Because. While he he, was having butt sex. (laughs) What a man. In a Tesla. Stop. Teslas are from hell. In the front of a Tesla. You're not supposed to talk about Teslas. Elon Musk is going to heck, you know. Oh, he's a terrible, filthy capitalist. All right, anyway. Brilliant person. I get what you're saying. And a lot of times people look at the media as the ultimate displayer of what something is, and that creates a false representation, which would make Christians an issue to the perception due to those people being allowed to call themselves Christians. Yeah, it muddies the water. Gotcha. All right, well, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's... Proceed. Let's hear the the Tim Keller response to the the, the question. Fuck yeah. Uh, character is at least partly a matter of upbringing. Not all are fortunate enough to have a stable family or home life that fosters good character. Christian theology accounts for this concept uh, with the concept of grace. All human beings need God's grace because our moral efforts will never be enough. This is also why Jesus died for us, to pave the way for our salvation. Churches are, as it were, hospitals for souls, not museums for saints. So imagine someone coming from a broken home and they become Christian. This person makes a significant improvement in their character, though they may need, uh, they may still be less secure and self-disciplined than a non-Christian who was fortunate enough to not be raised in a broken home. Now, if you met both of these people and you didn't know their background, you might assume that Christianity is worthless 
because both the Christian and the non-Christian seem to be on the same level, morally speaking. Um, so yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably stop there, uh, for a second and let you give your thoughts on that. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, just because basically you're seeing the tip of the iceberg yeah. and assuming that everything underneath is the same as what's on the top. Yeah. And I work with somebody who back in the day, if it was something illegal to get money for drugs, they were doing it. And they lived by that lifestyle. And at the time, they called themselves a Christian. But at, they eventually truly found God, fought their demons, and are doing everything right. They still will fuck up. But when you look at how far they've came in their quest, that should inspire you as much as how far someone... Or how good someone started because the progress means more than staying stagnant and still being a good person right got um, anything Davey no uh, so there also needs to be a distinction between justification and sanctification um, a Christian is justified when they put their faith in Jesus and accept that he died for their sins the rest of their life is spent in sanctification, where they try to be more like Christ in a day-to-day in their day-to-day life, and purge themselves of their sinful attachments. So, just because a Christian may be justified, they may not be very far along enough in their journey of sanctification for others to constantly see the fruits of the Spirit. Unfortunately, in my experience, uh, not a lot of Christians are taught about the. Uh, sanctification part at all the, the the whole emphasis is on justification the the one-time act that you got to do the thing um, and also as a reminder Christianity also claims that humanity is fallen oftentimes there seems to be a higher moral standard set for Christians and then when they fall short everyone attacks them but again we all fall short and need and and uh, we all need God's grace so that's kind of the point of Christianity is we're not going to be good enough but it's kind of circular because the whole point is you're a Christian you're supposed to be better than other people but you're not because you're still people yeah I I only see it being like fully justified as if that person places themselves like negatively on that pedestal what do you mean say like uh for example a preacher talking about Oh, helping out the poor, do this, do that. Like, a, not going to name his name, but I already said it before on this podcast. Joe Olstein. Yeah, with him. Try- we might have, we might have mentioned that in the, the yeah, original so version to preach, of this. Like goodwill and everything, but yeah. then barring his church up during the hurricanes instead of letting people shelter. Yeah. Because he, he. He's got a very punchable face. Yes, yes, I, I said that. <laughs> yeah. But it it more so falls into, like, more narcissistic types than, say, like, your average person. And I think that's about the only time where some, even without religious belief, snobbier, higher-than-that attitudes need to be punished. Yeah. At least a little bit. After, Held accountable, at least. Yeah, after all, be like, okay, well... Let's get you back to a level playing field here. Yeah. Yeah. And 
looking at it from the media out point, it's due the modern backlash mm-hmm. is a lot due with people growing up with the church and and not, not specific branches because at the end of the day when you look at it from the public eye they branch all Christians together yeah and so without any ramifications from these fuck ups over time from these big semi-government level infrastructures it's created the public eye to be more cautious and kind of poke the beast more yeah when even a Christian fucks up on a minor level it might not be it all adds up yeah and and after so much you start to lose credibility yeah so that's why people can't take Christianity seriously because they can't take Christians seriously. And I mean, the reason I'm able to take Christianity seriously is through the people I know. And so take that as you will. All right. Well, the second question is, uh, if Christianity is the truth, why has the institutional church supported war and justice and violence over the years for context? Christian nations institutionalized imperialism, violence, and oppression through the Inquisition and the African slave trade. The totalitarian militaristic Japanese empire of the mid-20th century grew out of a culture deeply influenced by Buddhism and Shintoism. Islam is the soil for much of today's terrorism, while Israeli forces have often been ruthless too. Hindu nationalists, in the name of their religion, carry out bloody strikes on both Christian churches and Muslim mosques. All of the this evidence seems to indicate that religion aggravates human differences until they boil over into war, violence, and the oppression of minorities. That is the the, the position, the, the, the objection. What are your thoughts? Michael's got some big thoughts brewing over there. And again, this goes to my ties of not agreeing with organization but trying to understand the religion is for a lot of history religious entities have been tied heavily into government structure i mean we can look around the world and see that or lack of religion has been tied heavily i mean heck look at china yeah china north korea though i I could say north korea is worship of a dictator yeah it it is it's its own weird cult and it's through that that has allowed them to stand on the side of these wars stand on the side of these wrongdoings is because they've ingrained themselves so much into the functionings of a nation into allowing themselves to be the aggressor because I'm not going to say it's wrong to defend your home your property your church So, I think that's the biggest issue that is, for large parts of history, the religion was the government. Yeah. Um, Or they would allow men in power to bend religion to be the leading word. Because, oh, you're not going to go against God. You might go against me, but you're not going to go against God. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, it plays a lot into uh, human wants. 
like because wars are done because very few things greed and fear you ever want something or you're afraid someone else is going to do something or you're afraid they're going to change how you do things and if you don't want to say as a nation what that is you can always throw it's for God in there or if you were caught doing something really fucked up you God go, said to do God it God told me to do it yep. it's, it's like a home base card yeah and I that and really that, does a major disservice yeah yep 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 oh also completely somewhat in, unrelated to this but I forgot to mention at the beginning of this episode this is kind of like part one we're gonna have like a part two of this where we go into specific details that we think uh, Christians have done goofed in uh in, in America specifically like some of the biggest issues we have with Christians specific the, things um, this is kind of just the the at at a broad this is like the, the what, what am I trying to say the broad scope whereas we're like, going to narrow in on the specific issues later in a future episode this is the outline and that's going to be the final draft sure something like that the skeleton yeah 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 um, so uh, regarding the whole uh, definition objection that I gave, um, that basically all religion creates um, or lack thereof. Uh, well, well, the specifically the objection was all the evidence seemed to indicate that religion aggravates human differences until they boil over into war. But there are problems with this view, however. The communist Russian, Chinese, and Cambodian regimes of the 20th century rejected all organized religion and belief in God. A forerunner of all of these was the French Revolution, which rejected traditional religion for human reason. These societies were all rational and secular, yet each produced massive violence against its own people without the influence of religion. Why? Alistair McGrath points out that when the idea of God is gone, a society will transcendentalize something else, some other concept, in order to appear morally and spiritually superior. The Marxists made the state into such an absolute, while the Nazis did it to race and blood. Even the ideals of liberty and equality can be used in this way in order to do violence to opponents. Uh, also, this book was written in 2008, uh, so I feel like it was kind of kind of foreshadowing some some jazz that yeah. happened though i i love kind of like some of the albums. i love how yeah. like nowadays we can view what happened with like the marxist rising which is the exact opposite of what karl marx wanted yeah he wanted it to fall into a controlled anarchy no yeah. actually reading some of his work he does have a lot of interesting things about the human condition to say yeah basically what what he's getting at here is uh it's just it's a human problem yeah, it's we'll, not a religion we find problem. reasons to fight what, what are, as i like said last time heck even in the wild bunch of like uh monkeys gorillas primates they go to war they kill each other in bloody battle and it's unfortunately kind of a natural thing yeah what are we fighting for? <laughs> Liberty. What are we fighting for? Justice. What are we fighting for? They attacked us first. What are we fighting for? They're different. 
What are we fighting for? God! We're actually fighting for the oil. Yeah. Hint, hint. Let's get out of the Middle East. <laughs> it was a proxy war gone too but far. But yeah, Hemakai's going to always have that home base. Yeah. Violence done in the name of Christianity is a terrible reality and must both be addressed and redressed. There is no excusing it. In the 20th century, however, violence has been inspired as much by secularism as moral absolutism. Societies that have rid themselves of all religion have been just as oppressive as those steeped in it. We can only conclude that there is some violent impulse so deeply rooted in human heart, in the human heart that it expresses itself regardless of the beliefs of a particular society might be. Ultimately, then, the fact of violence and warfare in a society is no necessary refutation of the prevailing beliefs of that society. So, like I mentioned earlier, what Keller is just trying to say here is that the issue of violence is a human issue, not a religious issue, and that's therefore... Uh, to, to pose that as an objection to religious belief is merely anecdotal. Um, yeah. Now, could, like, the church try to do something about it? Yeah. Well, yeah. But just about yeah. anybody can do something about it. Yeah. And also, and this may be an American issue, is with Christianity ingraining itself into a certain political spectrum in public view, it's made it perceive that all of them are for this. Right. Whereas... <clears throat> Which, that is one of the things we will talk about more specifically in that yeah. episode, uh, Upcoming, which is a few weeks away. I'm but, going to good detail with those. Yeah, I we'll, love those. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get them. Get them good, because I've got some objections against some yeah. daggum Christians that keep screwing up, including and, myself. And making Bailey and reasonable Christians like him look bad. Yeah. Yeah, so stop fucking up so bad. Yeah, dude. guys. Come on. Get it together. Be perfect. Don't as make, Christ is perfect. Uh, don't, no. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be perfect, but strive. Be, I was quoting a verse. Just do better. Yeah. Get good. Uh, also, in Christianity, spiritual warfare is a very real thing. The Bible refers to Satan as the prince of the earth, but Christ as its king. Granted, I don't take this as far as to say that the devil made me do it, but I do believe that there are supernatural influences in our world that play at least some role in both the good and evil that we see today. I mean, what, isn't the devil the, for, the fallen angel of temptation? Yeah. Didn't he try to tempt God in the fucking flesh? Yep. If you believe in spiritual shit... It's yeah. hard, hard to disagree with. Yeah, it it, it it's not, but it, it there's a lot of Christians that are like, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in demons. I don't believe in all this mostly supernatural th stuff, but Christianity I mean, itself intrinsically is supernatural in nature. I mean... Yeah. And a lot more supernatural than it lets on at the, on the outset. You might think like, oh, there's just a little bit of this, you know, yeah. other world stuff. But the more you get into it and the more you study it, there's a lot of, like, Look, spiritual I, I, I stuff. And if you some Christians don't believe in hell, but they believe in heaven, it's like there has to be the opposite. It's... I, I, I want to say the same thing to atheists that believe in the devil, but not in God. I'm like, do you guys understand what you're saying you make me want to punch you you believe well, in it, a higher power it's in the opposite direction 
It has, there has to be you? an opposite to that. Well, I because... mean, in those, there are, like, the actual Luciferians. Uh-huh. They're just stupid. <laughs> then there's the Church of Satan and Church and the Temple of Set, which, uh-huh. funny enough, uh, basically, the creator of the Church of Set was like, you know what? I hate this. I'm going to make my own, my own church. And though they're more so lifestyles than actual religions... And yeah. they just use it as kind of uh, kind of a middle finger. From what I'm aware I mean, of. It's like, edgy atheist, okay? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, from what I'm aware of, the, the Church of Satan is basically just a secular worldview. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, I mean, it still But had, it passes it off as Satanism because they're, they just edgy. try and... Yeah, they just try and be edgy to and piss off people Christians. that want... They're like Dalamites and then... But Dalam, being a Dalamite such a loosely defined term, anyone can be a Dalamite. Yeah. I mean, anyone could be. Any Thanks, Alistair Crowley. You really, hard. really could have like specified your religion more. Yeah, but then if you disagree of uh, something being able to cause the force, and you agree about the human condition, which is imperfect in itself. High thoughts, bro. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna make the sound and pretend like I didn't zone out and forget what you just said. Uh, all right, well, let's go to the next thing. Um, even if Christian teaching has much to offer, why would we want to be together with so many smug, self-righteous, dangerous fanatics? Again, for context, many non-believers have friends or relatives who have become born again and seem to have gone off the deep end, and they soon begin to express loudly their disapproval of various groups or sectors of our society, especially movies and television, the Democratic Party, homosexuals, evolutionists, activist judges, members of other religions, and the values taught in public schools. When arguing for the truth of their faith, they often appear intolerant and self-righteous. This is what many people would call fanaticism. We'll get more into that in a minute, but I'm sure Michael has some thoughts that are stewing and brewing over there. So All right, you guys have heard the term lipstick lesbian, right? No. It's like, <laughs> they'll kiss a chick in public, but they're not actually gay. Okay. These are lipstick Christians you're talking about here. <laughs> okay, I see. And it, a lot of those people have addictive personalities, and so if they're not... a attaching the crack cocaine or cigarettes or alcohol or attaching to Christ damn it if you don't think the way I do because I'm so emotionally invested into the church and what the church has to say Mm -hmm. that if you oppose me or any of them you're wrong you really it doesn't matter what that person believes in they're going to be shitty at it and you should separate yourself from people like that yeah I mean I think last time I put it similarly but I find like especially like the fanatics Mm -hmm. tend to be overcompensating for say they weren't super religious now they're deep into it plus or maybe they've recently become Christian and they yeah the pendulum swings in the opposite direction and they just become fanatics between certain sects of Christianity and more kind of cult like tactics Escape uh, and also scapegoating for the ills of society. I mean, heck, there's 
tons of people that said, oh, Doom's going to corrupt our youth and make them all do drugs and shoot people. It didn't happen. Or... Like, Doom oh, the video that, game, right? Yes, right. or yeah. that metal music's going to make everyone turn satanic. If I you play it backwards, it says um, Satan words or whatever. I know a lot more Christians that listen to <laughs> metal than I know atheists that listen to metal. <laughs> or Satanists that listen to metal. I've met a Satanist that listens to folk music, for Christ's sake. <laughs> folk music. I'm not even kidding. Damn. But yeah, so it's more so the person kind of overcorrecting between that uh, being played with and then trying to find a scapegoat for what they see wrong with the world instead of actually looking into it and you know like oh well this issue maybe I could work towards doing this nope nope it's all them video games and the devil worship and music that rock and roll too scandalous yeah. Yeah. Well, plus, also, personal identities aren't going to disappear. Yeah. And it also. Just because someone set, starts going to church or goes to church, it's only going to change or be more secured by the church. Yeah. And it also is a cultural issue. Yeah. I, I tend to find, just like with the video games and music's bad, I mean, it's been happening for. All of humankind. As soon as there was an older generation, they were complaining about the younger one. Yeah, or and all, and I think it's also uh, especially more prominent in modern times because a lot of people get disillusioned by how we function, how technically busy we could be seem. That focusing on just a religion and hyper focusing and not actually learning it tends to be there thing to combat it and it, the issue is the same for atheists I know just as many smug ass fucking atheists oh there's a lot of them self-righteous pricks who are no better than fucking anybody I heck we know one that literally would be walking and we'd just be having a normal conversation you just go full raging atheist and scream about oh there's no god and it's like shut up dude <laughs> I mean, I've met racist atheists. I've met fucking just ter terrible people who are atheists. And I've met terrible people who are Christians. Again, it's the people that are the problem. Yeah. So many people try to understand Christians along a spectrum from nominalism at one end and fanaticism on the other. So a nominal Christian is someone who is Christian in name only and who does not uh, who does not practice it and perhaps barely believes it. A fanatic is someone who is thought to be uh, thought to overbelieve and overpractice Christianity. So in this schematic, the best kind of Christian would be someone in the middle, someone who doesn't go all the way with it, but who believes it, uh, but is not too devoted to it. The problem with this approach is that it assumes that the Christian faith is basically a form of moral improvement. Intense Christians would therefore be intense moralists, or as they were called in Jesus' time, Pharisees. Pharisaic people assume they are right with God because of their moral behavior and right doctrine. This leads naturally to feelings of superiority toward those who do not share their religiosity, and from there to various forms of abuse, exclusion, and oppression. This is what 
this is the essence of what we think of as fanaticism. But what if, however, the essence of Christianity is salvation by grace? Salvation not because of what we do, but because of what Christ has done for us. Belief that you are accepted by God by sheer grace is profoundly humbling. The people who are fanatics, then, are not so because they are too committed to the gospel, but because they're not committed to it enough. Uh, so think of some people that you might consider fanatical. Uh, they're, they're probably overbearing, self-righteous, opinionated, insensitive, and harsh. Why? It's because they're, it's, it's not because they're too Christian, but it's because they're not Christian enough. They're fanatically zealous and courageous, but they're not fanatically humble, sensitive, loving, empathetic, forgiving, or understanding as Christ was. Because they think of Christianity as a self-improvement program, they emulate the Jesus of the whips in the temple, but not the Jesus who said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. That's John 8, 7. So what strikes us as overly fanatical is actually a failure to be fully committed to Christ and his gospel. Yeah, kind of like what I said with them just hyper-focusing on Christianity, but not actually paying doing attention. It. Yeah, doing it. Yeah. And I mean, yes, uh, religion should be so in some way improving your morality, but yeah. it should come naturally, not just like... It includes self-improvement, but it's not just that. It yeah. can't be reduced to just that. It's, it, it's that plus more. Yeah. yeah. And it's more so just spiritually improving over time instead of like oh yeah here's exactly what you need to do here's your self-improvement book yeah. the broble yeah do you have any thoughts michael nah all right well jesus actually criticized this selfish form of religiosity he criticized a lot of stuff <laughs> bro yeah. he tore down markets bro <laughs> uh so extremism and fanaticism which lead to injustice and oppression are a constant danger within any body of religious believers. For Christians, however, the antidote is not to tone down and moderate their faith, but to rather have a fuller, uh, truer faith in Christ. Jesus conducts a major critique of religion. His famous Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7, does not criticize irreligious people, but rather religious ones. In his famous discourse, the people he criticizes pray, give to the poor, and seek to live accordingly to the Bible. But they do so in order to get acclaim and power for themselves. They believe they will get leverage over others and even over God because of their spiritual performance. Quote, they think that they will be heard for their many words, end quote, in Matthew 6, verse 7. This makes them judgmental and condescending, quick to give criticism, and unwilling to take it. They are fanatics. In his teaching, Jesus continually says to the respectable and upright, quote, The tax collector and the prostitutes will enter the kingdom before you. End quote. Matthew 21, verse 31. He continuously condemns in white-hot language their legalism, self-righteousness, bigotry, and the love of wealth and power. Quote, you clean the outside of 
the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You neglect the justice and the love of God. You load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. You devour widows' houses and show and make for show and and a show make long prayers end quote uh, it's Luke 11 39 to 46 and 20 verse 47 so the tendency for of religious people is to use spiritual and ethical observance as a lever to gain power over others and over God appeasing him through ritual and good works this leads to an emphasis on external religious forms such as greed materialism and oppression in social arrangements um i'll probably go ahead and let you have your thoughts if you have anything nah all right well i'm gonna go ahead and finish up this little section here um as a side note studies have shown that intrinsic religiosity which is holding beliefs of a uh in a personal manner for the sake of the beliefs themselves tends to be very beneficial for society whereas extrinsic religiosity which would be people going to church for social reasons and external validation can actually be harmful that's not advocating you don't go to church but it's don't go to church if it's just to don't, appease your people yes don't go to church for only social reasons let it if you're going Externally, there also needs to be an internal part of it. Um, so the typical criticisms by secular people about the oppressiveness and injustices of Christian of the Christian church actually come from Christianity's own resources for critique itself. So to give up on Christian standards would be to leave us with no basis for the criticism. And uh, we'll, we'll get more into that with the, the next part. But uh, I'll let you guys give your thoughts on that section because I had a nice long little spiel. Got anything to say, dude? No, I mean, kind of touch on like that. Uh, one of the biggest issues is people externally going or, as we s- said, the the nominal Christians. Because I mean, that, that's probably one of the bigger issues we all have is people doing it just for social cultural reasons because in the south i mean it's one of the things you do right you go play sports you go to church you see the football game every friday night and that was a thing when i was uh uh you, you my old church is group every wednesday yeah it, it was more of a, a social event like go to church like it's not like oh you're going to church you know to to praise the Lord or anything. No, you're going to get some pizza and play volleyball and play video games. And, and then to, maybe there's a Bible lesson for like 10 minutes. try to get some underage cooch because you're underage. You know? I did. You did. I, t- I tried, damn it. Man, it was depressing watching how many people slowly whittled away from that youth group. Oh, it was depressing before we left. Yeah. It, it, Imagine it, it, when I was there and I was like one of the two people that still went and then I left. And then I don't think there's a youth group there anymore. But I don't know. I haven't been. Anyway, that's a different different story. Oh, Did man. you have any thoughts on that last thing before I go to the next? Uh, no, you just bummed me out, man. Sorry. <laughs> but well, I mean, uh, actually, I, I'm honestly not surprised, though. I'm not either. One thing. 
is I don't as an outsider I don't look at someone who goes to church as more Christian than one who doesn't because because of those nominal Christians who do it as a social thing because mm-hmm. there's some Christians who just don't go to church but they're as strong in their faith as anybody and whether it's for work whether it's for where they live whatever doesn't mean they're any less of a Christian than someone who goes just like it doesn't mean someone who goes is any more than someone who doesn't right yeah or to pull like a different uh religious religion like uh not uh, I forget the term awkward pause for Ramadan I don't know they don't eat for oh yeah wait no eating and no sex. Yes, but that's it, I'm thinking if of you like can't do it, it doesn't make religions. you a weaker Muslim. Islam. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. uh, and actually, I think in their book it says basically if you are sick or unable to do it, don't. You will actually be a worse Muslim for doing it when you shouldn't. And huh. periods. And periods. Yeah. Fun fun little fact. Well, so, if you guys want to know more about the epic works of the Quran, you should guys should check out Why Christianity Over Other Religions, an episode we did a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty great. You should go check it out. That's all I know about uh, the Quran is what we uh, threw in that episode. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's not a and that's it's, not an attack towards any... And it's just as sweet, as sweet Islamic people I've met. So. Oh yeah, I I mentioned in that episode for people who haven't listened to it that uh, there are definitely, and we we're basically talking about it in this episode. There's good people and there's bad people, of okay. any uh religion, just regardless of the religion itself. Um, you may, you may be. A great example of a human being you may be a terrible example of a human being and that may be completely because of your religion or completely irrespective of it it's complicated things aren't black and white like we want to make it out to be yeah, so it's more it's more so a little bit of both usually yeah one feeds the other right all right so if we want to point out the moral flaws brought up uh brought upon by christianity we need to be fair and bring attention uh, to its moral benefits it has brought as well. And this topic has also been discussed in the episode, What Happened After Jesus Rose Again? Plug for another episode. Go listen to it if you haven't already. Uh, so, a deep stain on Christian history is the African slave trade. Since Christianity was the domin- was dominant in the nations that bought and sold slaves during that time, the churches must bear responsibility along with their societies for what happened. Even though slaves were in some form virtually universal in every human culture over the centuries, it was Christians who first came to the conclusion that it was wrong. The social historian Rodney Stark writes, Anti-slavery doctrines began to appear in Christian theology soon after the decline of Rome and were accompanied by the eventual disappearance of slavery in all but the fringes of Christian Europe. When Europeans subsequently instituted slavery in the New World, they did so over strenuous papal opposition. 
a fact that was conveniently lost from history until recently. Finally, the abolition of New World slavery was initiated and achieved by Christian activists. Christians began to work for abolition not because of some general understanding of human rights, but because they saw it as violating the will of God. Older forms of indentured servitude and bond service of the uh, biblical times had often been harsh, but Christian abolitionists concluded that race-based, lifelong chattel slavery established through kidnapping could not be uh, squared with biblical teaching either in the Old Testament or the New. Christian activists such as William Wilberforce in Great Britain, John Woolman in America, and many, many others devoted their entire lives in the name of Christ to ending slavery. The slave trade was so tremendously lucrative that there was enormous incentive within the church to justify it. Many church leaders defended the institution. The battle for self-correction was titanic. When the abolitionists had finally finally had British society poised to ab abolish slavery in their empire, planters and colonies foretold that the emancipation would cost investors enormous sums and the prices of commodities would skyrocket catastrophically. This did not deter abolitionists in the House of Commons. They agreed to compensate the planters for all freed slaves an astounding sum up to half the British government's annual budget. The Act of Emancipation passed in 1833, and the costs were so high to the British people that one historian called the British abolition of slavery voluntary econocide. Rodney Stark notes how historians have been desperately trying to figure out why the abolitionists were willing to sacrifice so much to end slavery. He quotes Howard Temperley, who says that the history of abolition is puzzling because most historians believe that all political behavior is self-interested. Yet, despite the fact that hundreds of scholars over the last 50 years have looked for ways to explain it, Temperley says no one has succeeded in showing those who campaigned for the end of, slave, of the slave trade stood in any way stood to gain in any tangible way or that those measures were other than economically costly to the country. Slavery was abolished because it was wrong and Christians were the leaders saying so. And that was a nice long uh, spiel with lots of quotes because the whole thing mm. was basically a quote from a chapter in uh, Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God. Go read it. Plug, I plug. Mean, uh, I can see... From like a perspective, it could be a little self-serving because it's the world you want to live in. You want to live in a Christ-like, well, Christian-like world. Abolishing slavery would help you live that. But it's also, again, with the morality of Christianity. And kind of as we've spoken about, Christianity was played on both sides of the field. So it was both the... It helped perpetuate it by some people, and it helped abolish it by other people. Yeah, but ultimately, uh, a lot of it was uh, economic, which is why yeah, it was continued like, I mean, for so it, long. And, and the reasons reasons people were defending it were primarily economic yeah, reasons. Yeah, and again, that ties into 
one of my biggest issues is when religion and politics get mixed. Yep. It muddies the fuck out of the water. Because when I look at the people who were fighting to abolish it, who were when God created all men, they were created equal viewpoint and trying to right what has been wronged. I look at that as living Christ-like because they're, they don't have to. No, no one's going to really give a shit if they don't say anything about it. But they saw an issue and looking back in history, it's obviously they were on the right side. Yeah. And so they fought that battle. But yet you can also see, especially in the South where we live, church being so closely tied economically it's like mm, yeah we can't really afford to let them boys go whereas in the north eventually slavery was abolished and it was due to they were more economically able to abolish yeah, it they were the south more still... economically tied to the goods received from slavery than the actual enslavement yeah. itself and plus what goods they created themselves were suited to their climate where in the, the south the types of crops and everything grown was a lot more physically intensive and more sparsely spread and that even falls down to slavery in the islands and further down into South America let's say like sugarcane and stuff the more south you go back in that time the harder labor got yeah. but it was a big economic issue that tied itself into politics and therefore tied itself into religion unfortunately and religion was used as a justification for it and against it it's like in modern times with any issue say war they'll be like but god eh, for or against we don't know yeah, yeah and there's two sides of a coin but there's the yin and yang of good and bad in Christianity it's not all good all bad and also as we spoke about falls into how it's interpreted yeah or uh, what modifications someone might just be like oh yeah that, that fits my cause let me just change that word yeah yeah uh, well also when Martin Luther King Jr. confronted racism in the white church in the south he did not call on southern churches to become more secular read his sermons and uh the letter from birmingham jail and see how he argued he invoked god's moral law and the scriptures he called white christians to be more true to their own beliefs and realize what the bible really teaches he did not say truth is relative and everyone is free to determine what is right and wrong for them if everything is relative, there would have been no incentive for white people in the South to give up their power. Rather, Dr. King invoked the prophet Amos, who said, quote, Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness as a mighty stream. End quote. That's Amos 5.24. The greatest champion of justice in our era knew the antidote to racism was not less Christianity, but a deeper and truer Christianity. And I'll let you guys give your little thinky things. So essentially, 
look at Christianity or don't look at Christians is again the ending note because the theme of this episode is uh basically yeah don't don't look to I, I think I probably said this like a million yeah. times and don't also, look to Christians look to what Christianity yeah. teaches yeah and that when but it does get complicated when you're when, like well how do you interpret that when he but, was saying to be more true to your religion he's saying hey guys get it together guys look at the book look at our religion that we all agree on you got there's literally a, an exile from slavery in the second book of the bible and in the new testament it's also kind of like anti-slavery so yeah you know you guys gotta like it's 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 there you know you can't make justifications yeah. i also pull back <laughs> with like uh speaking of king i he was also with the idea of like the we have uh, like a moral standard and that's also tied into culture and everything and i mean we're mostly christian culture around here but I mean, heck it, it appealed to like jewish people like old bernie and I bet you atheists and stuff because it's something regardless of religious affiliation you can grasp that and be like yeah okay let, let's get going yeah burn down yeah. this establishment and then, and then they try to label him a a godless communist and in the bible doesn't it talk something about Jews and Gentiles like you know in Christ there is no Jew or Gentile yeah yeah. and I think that's which what... okay as a clarification I did mention in a previous episode that's like I think I said uh, something along the lines of that translate in modern day terms as there is no black or white it's not entirely true because it was more regional back then so it wasn't really races in the same way that we think of it today um but it was a similar um prejudicial distinction among different groups of people and uh so jews were obviously the ethnic people of judea from the line of abraham and then gentiles were basically everybody else yeah everyone is the same regardless of what you look like and what hat you wear and what bloodline you're from. And I think that's kind of what MLK was reaching back on under God. We are all children of God. Yeah. All right. So a couple other examples. Uh, in the late 20th century, the Catholic Church in Eastern Europe refused to die under communism. The Polish priest Jerzy... I'm sorry. Jerzy Polusko through his preaching and activism led the movement for a free trade union in the communist party in the eight in the early 1980s when he was murdered by the secret police 250,000 people came to his funeral including Lech Walasa I'm sorry if I bastardize your name uh, whose solidarity movement would help bring down the communist government Many of those who went to his funeral marched past the secret police headquarters with a banner that read, We Forgive. <clears throat> the Christian underpinnings 
of the resistant movement were unmistakable. <clears throat> and the last thing I have here is uh, there's a long list of martyrs who stood up for the oppressed in Jesus' name, such as Archbishop, Archbishop Oscar Romero of El Salvador. Romero was made Archbishop for his conservative Orthodox doctrinal views. In his new post, he saw irrefutable evidence of chronic and violent human rights abuses by the government. He began to speak out fearlessly against it, and as a result, he was shot to death in 1980 while saying Mass. So these are just a few examples in recent history of the positive impact that a true understanding of Christianity has had on our own society, though, of course, there are many more. The point is that true Christianity should not lead to oppression, egotism, hypocrisy, or legalistic morality that we see in many Christians uh, who are struggling to figure it out. Instead, it should lead to people extending grace to one another and displaying the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, so... Oh boy, the Eastern Bloc... Orthodox churches. Oh, they have some tough competition because uh, fun, fun little thing, especially with the opioid, well, heroin slash crocodile epidemic. There were a lot of kind of little cult groups pop up. Neat. This prey on the weak. All right. Well, I think we're uh, we're nearing the end, so I'm gonna let you uh, give your thoughts on the things I said and and your our, our concluding thoughts, and then we're gonna wrap up this episode. So you want me to give my final thoughts on like the whole episode? Sure. Or if you have responses to anything I just said, it, both, it all, it whatever. All, ties together. all right. Sure. Go ahead. At the end of the day, <laughs> you should judge all religions equally. Don't be an edgelord atheist who judges Christianity edgelord because that's what you were raised around. Don't be an edgelord Christian who judges atheists more harshly than yourself. Than your other <clears throat> Christians. Right. And it the reason I still say it's a problem is there's all it's due to especially the media and what we allow. And if you're a Christian, you having saying that this problem isn't a bad thing, it's acceptance, it's a step to the right direction. And at the end of the day, it's people understanding the gospel and trying to live Christ like all the quiet voices will eventually mean more than all the loud ones put forth in today's society. Yeah, I think that's really an amplification of this problem is the the Christians that are put forth in media are are forced your way. You're you're televangelist, you're you know yeah. Kent Coven blowing blowing uh covid away on his private jets. Yeah. And then oh yeah, God, it, I it's can't well just like with <clears throat> any media nowadays with how everything's been turned to quick it's all about spectacle baby and it's been yeah. like that since the 24 hour news cycle yeah and if you are looking towards Christianity just like we say don't take everything word for word in the bible or in most religious texts read between the lines sometimes 
gotta do this with the people yeah context matters okay um which i mean some of it is meant to be read literally some of it's meant to be more metaphorical it just kind of depends on the context of the passage and the cultural context which there's a lot more to it than what meets the eye i've been reading through genesis and i have like a million questions uh because i don't know anything about the culture back then and just remember anyone can say they're anything doesn't mean they truly are i can say i'm an airplane can't fly i can say i'm a christian and i'd be lying to you i can say i'm, I can an say I'm a, the actual president yeah and i'd be lying so don't take everyone at the word either because people lie and sometimes they'll lie to manipulate your feelings or your wallet or anything and kind of get to the middle of the true christians who should help you figure out and actually read the bible like seriously it's one of the biggest things you can do if you're considering a religion read the book i'll let you go ahead and go david kind of as michael spoke about it's not necessarily the religion itself but how it's used as a tool for people to let them going to like their for their agenda basically yeah for their agenda and the kind of pre disposed nature that everyone will harken back to greed power fear yeah and you using both of those within their views of their religion and warping what it really is yeah and also there's not really a conglomerate power of a lot of Christianity where anyone can make their own church but isn't it a Protestant or Orthodox which one am I thinking of that can go hey yeah those guys aren't really with us you know Uh, technically I would say like the Catholics and the Orthodox technically have the authority because they are a, a organized church but yeah, each but individual church has their own authority air quotes uh, in, in the Protestant circles but they're also like they've broken off and so many times that it doesn't matter so it, it, it does become very murky because some are going to say well these guys are Christians others are going to say these are not Christians and then they're, they're all going to point to different things in the past and creeds and councils but they're also going to reject certain creeds and councils that believe that catholicism is its own religion yeah Yeah. i mean with the how how it's done it's ironic because there are protestants that think that catholics aren't christian little do they know they came from that religion yeah and literally just makes me want to fight people but anyway that's that's a different uh, that's a different I, conversation. It just reminds me, you need to watch Moral Oral. <laughs> you, I think you've mentioned that like at least 17 you, times in this really show. You really need to. All right. It, because it rips on like the love. The really dumb people. Rips, well, it rips on kind of the American perception of church being tied to the culture and how it's just pushed to be a certain way. Yeah. But yeah, though it does get dark. I think that really hurts especially in america people looking towards christianity and creates kind of those 
nominal Christians. Yeah. For the most part. Because there's no really, like, oh, they're all saying different shit, so maybe none of them are right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely contributes to it. Yeah. Um, but, which, which we will get into, because we've, we've dabbled in talking about Christianity in America and, and issues with that, but we'll get more specific in a, an upcoming episode. Um, but as I have said before, and I'll say again, don't look at Christians, look at Christ. People will fall short. That much is inevitable. If you're genuinely interested in Christianity, don't get bogged down in the external drama. Focus on what the actual teaching and position is. We know that humanity has fallen. That's why we put our faith in God, not man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unless you're, like, going to a church, then uh, if everyone's an asshole, get out of town and find a better church. Because yeah. something's wrong. Yeah, and I, I think that's one thing I... I struggle less with now than I did before mm -hmm. is separating the book versus the good people versus the bad people of that religion I've now kind of figured out how where obviously the spiritual and theological side means so much more than the good or bad it can create because it can create good or bad in either way and yes the good than the way people like utilize basically yeah christianity because you don't have to agree with the power structure uh-huh what you have to agree <clears throat> with is the spiritual theological and gospel gotcha all right well i think that uh wraps think that about up. wraps it up for this episode we've we've saved like 10 minutes than it was there's 10 15. minutes shorter 15 minutes shorter yeah, than it was, it was close, last time close to being like 140 last Ma time well, we didn't get in as many circle jerks so. yeah and we've also had this conversation before so yeah hope you guys enjoyed it because we we, we it was so important that we recorded it again yeah because and hopefully y'all didn't hear any of the rain it, it, it was raining hard when we started yeah well anyway Next week, we are going to be talking about the uh, last objection to Christianity slash theism, uh, at least for this series, uh, which is, doesn't Christianity enslave you? Find out next time. Dun, dun, dun. I've been Bailey. Uh, this is the part where you say, I've been Michael. I've been Michael. And this is the part and where I've you, been David. Yeah. Love and you guys. This has been, been facing the gate. It's been real. It's been fun. It's, it's been, been real fun. fun. See you guys, See you guys next week. Next week. Mm. Love Goodbye. you.